0: Change your mind, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's good. All right. pneumatology, study of the Holy Spirit. What have we learned so far about the Holy Spirit? It's a person. What was that? It's a person. He's a person, right? Yeah. He is a person, not a force, not some kind of movement, but a person. Jeremy's sure doing something. About I'm trying
1: him. to help you out here. I
0: oh, know. Cool. Appreciate that. Uh, what else do we know about the Holy Spirit? He's God. Yeah, not just a person, but a divine person. The third. It's my person. No. Yeah, now it's a better set of normal stuff than you. It was working before. But thank you. Historically, you've had issues. Yeah. Oh. It's because I like to see something. Oh, that's okay. That's all right. Alright, so he is a person, a divine person. Um, what else have we learned about the Holy Spirit? Go ahead, David. He's our comforter. Our comforter.
2: Right. Advocate in some ways. Yes, different roles. Maybe in those comforter, sealer, um, the bias to the
0: truth.
2: Uh, yeah, so his role is
0: different and unique from that of the Father and the Son. Um, and he has different ministries as part of that role. And we haven't really gotten too deep into the ministries of the Holy Spirit, and I don't think we will today. Um, we've touched on it a little bit, and we'll delve more into that as time goes on. And um, we'll I have another talk in the last I was just going
1: to uh... add to when we consider him as divine, it's important to always remember he—that means he has all of the attributes of deity. Where I think even among saved Christians, it's in their mind of, um, well, yeah, he's divine, but they don't fully comprehend that that means he is fully, truly God, just as the other two persons of the Trinity. Where it's like, yeah, he's God, but you know, he's—it's kind of like a dog on a leash. Yeah, and he's not like a, a demigod. He's not a lesser right. entity. Yeah, just because he functionally submits within the Godhead, he's, he is sent by the Father and the Son. And that doesn't mean he's any less powerful. He just has a role that's distinct. And that's it's a hard thing to wrap our minds around, obviously, but it's important that we wrestle with it.
3: Absolutely. It's hard to understand what it is. They're individual persons but they're one person, one one uh, it, that doesn't make sense how <laughs> <laughs> <Yep.
2: laughs>
3: uh, they can be separate and be the same and and some of their the things overlap I mean they're all three their creation mm-hmm. uh, but and really wherever you have one you have all three yet uh, there's things that indicate differences I don't understand <laughs> yeah. I don't understand. <laughs> yeah, and we never fully will.
0: We're, let's remind ourselves what are the three words that we want to remember when considering the Trinity,
2: the of God. Singularity. Plurality. Know. There is
0: one God and only one God. There is no other God besides Him. But there is a plurality of persons within the one being of God. And they are all equal, including
2: the Holy Spirit. Did you have something else for a second? Yeah, I was just, um, you know, it's occurred to me, I don't recall there's any place where it talks about the Spirit speaking, right? vocally right? Well, Jesus walked and was did his ministry for three and a half years on earth. The Father does talk out loud about him um, at his baptism and um, in other places at the, the Transfiguration, right? Yeah. But I can't recall any place where it talks about the Holy Spirit speaking. Audibly. Audibly, yeah. So it's kind of, I don't know, it's kind of like, um, I guess it lends itself to um, heresy, because they're like, well, I heard the Holy Spirit speaking and I'm speaking for the Holy Spirit. You know, God has spoken audibly to me, and that's uh, yeah, that's that's quite a plan. I mean, yes, exactly. we are going to plan yeah. to
0: be speaking on behalf of God. That's an astounding plan to know it is. Yes. Do you have something?
1: Yeah, but I'm not going to share it. <laughs> okay. It's <laughs> <laughs> too deep for <laughs> 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 us. Um, it's just unnecessary. Under- <laughs> <configuration. laughs>
0: All right. Is it the same worksheet? Same worksheet, yep. All right, and last week we looked at Acts 5 uh, briefly, and that's one of the main places where we see the claim of a deity ascribed to the Holy Spirit, that you have lied to the Holy Spirit, talking to Ananias and Sapphira, and says, you have not lied to men, but you have lied to God, right? And we went on from there, and as Jeremy was saying, um, we see the different aspects, the different characteristics of, um, he he ascribed to the Holy Spirit that he is eternal, he is omnipotent, he is omniscient. And those are just, uh, and truthful, those are just a few examples that we see. But any attribute of God that belongs to God belongs just as fully to the Holy Spirit because he is God. So again, we can't put him on some kind of lower status and say, well, God is God the Father and Jesus Christ. They are all these things, but the Holy Spirit is not. So once again, any attribute be Spirit of God equally belongs to the Holy Spirit because He is God as well. I think
1: maybe where some people get tripped up is that he is called the Spirit of God, and so it's almost like uh, God the Father. What He wants to do, um, it's by His Spirit, and the Spirit is just like the exact same as the Father, almost, because it's it's the concept of He's. He's accomplishing something, and His Holy Spirit is just going out and doing things. Mm-hmm. But the—I mean—one of the things that we'll get to eventually is the Holy Spirit has a will. He wills individually. Mm-hmm. He has an individual will, and He is divine individually. And that's, of course, where our brain starts getting a pretzel with the Trinity. But yeah. but when we recognize that and teach that and believe that, that helps us keep things in check in our
0: mind. And we consider that in part when we're looking at that plurality aspect of the Trinity. And we'll get into it even more, and we'll see they're clearly different. We saw that at the baptism of Jesus, right? It's a different person descending as a dove or like a dove, not that he was coming down in the form of a dove necessarily. Yeah, the Holy Spirit's, the Holy Spirit's
1: will is not the Father's will, though they are in the perfect harmony. <laughs> yeah. And that's, and that's the Son's will is not the Spirit's will, but they are in perfect harmony. All the individual wills, that's what makes them persons, is they have their own wills. Yep. Mm-hmm. Pretty wild.
0: Yeah. Quite crazy. <laughs> yep. <clears throat> all right, we looked at, we started to look at John 14 through 16, three of the most prominent chapters on the Holy Spirit, probably the three most prominent chapters on the Holy Spirit in all of our New Testament. Um, we looked at chapter 14, verses 16 through 17 last week, and we will pick up looking at at verses 25 through 31 in chapter 14. So everybody turn to John chapter 14. i read those passages for us, that passage for us, 25 through 31. I got it.
2: These things I have spoken to you while I with you but the helper of the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. You heard that I said to you, I go away and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced because I go to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. Now I have told you before it happens, so that when it happens, you may believe. I will not speak much more with you, for the ruler of this world is coming, and he has nothing in me. But so that the world may know that I love the Father, I do exactly as the Father commanded me. Get up, let us go from here.
0: Alright, And we see a little glimpse of what everyone we was talking about there, about the will of the Father being different from the other wills. Uh, in verse 26, what is Jesus talking about when he says that you will remember these things?
4: Jesus' words.
5: Okay. To write about them, the Spirit will
0: bring them back to them so that they can actually write them down because they said they weren't writing them there. Okay, so you take it as speaking to the disciples and they will remember these things. Um, all the things that Jesus has spoken, as he said, in um, the Great Commission, right?
4: I think that's important too, because as our people minds and we tend to, as our experiences go through life, we try to, we don't remember things we should remember, unfortunately. Some of the details, and I'm not sure the disciples were the same. Jesus told them so much. Yeah. And the relationship of what he was trying to teach them was somewhat over their head in, in that degree. But I think as the Christ departed, the Holy Spirit came in to give them that remembrance of what Christ had said, and they can put it in some kind of order or relate to it. Uh, because of our human ability,
0: we don't have that ability without the help of Christ. Yeah. And yeah, the things that they didn't understand, they didn't comprehend. I think mean, we can say pretty pretty confidently that they didn't understand because God didn't give them those things to understand. He gave to Peter the understanding that Jesus was in Christ, the Son of the Holy God. That, that was revealed to him not by flesh, but by the, the Father. And so these things that they didn't fully understand were fully in in line with God's will.
2: Andy? Well and I think that it- it kind of reassures me because the apostles that were there and they of Christ, they were, even though Jesus had spoken to them about it repeatedly and said, you know, I'm going to be, hung on, I'm going to be hung on a tree and be cursed, basically, mm-hmm. and that I will rise again. Even though he said that, they were Think somewhere in their minds expecting that his kingdom was going to start now, right? He was going to inaugurate his kingdom now on this earth. That would that seemed to be at least everything that I read that that was what the Jews were expecting with from Messiah. Um, you know, we're talking about that Mark was written like 20, 20 years later. I mean, that's about, about 55, yeah, about it it was. It was 20, 22 years later. So that would be like us talking about stuff that happened in two thousand nineteen ninety nine, right? Yeah and John was almost sixty years later. Exactly. And and I guess my point is is that um you know it, it always amazes us when we when we think about like the Exodus where the children of Israel the children of God, the Israelites came out of of Egypt, and they saw his miracles, they saw the, the sea split, they saw the, you know, the basically the, the number one military power in the world destroyed by God, by his hand, directly. Mm-hmm. Um, and we looked at that and we're like, well, How did they how did they go after other gods after that? Yeah, it didn't take long for the people to have a and it just it just testifies to the simpleness of our own hearts. It's, that's all I'm saying. And so so the point is is that they would have to have the Holy Spirit to to bring bring it to their minds. You know. We've been I've been here now six, seven years. And Jeremy has been teaching for what, four four ish years.
1: Well, I've been five years. Staff pastor for three and a half, I've been teaching for
2: the whole time I've been here, about seven. So, three and a half years, let's say, and we're talking 22, 25 years in the future, I would remember what he's saying. That that doesn't work in my mind. It would take the Holy right? Spirit to, to remember it. That's what he answer. Yeah.
0: yeah, so I guess that's kind of a question. To, to what degree does this remembering apply? Who is he speaking to? Is it just for the disciples and their role in? transmitting the the text of scripture that they will be carried along by the Holy Spirit as He brings to to remembrance things that happen as He carries them or is it speaking to to believers in a a broader sense um, today is this something that we can apply to our lives today? True See some
3: smirks. (laughs) (laughs) Well
5: Well it's personal to them there. So was a
1: great commission, Jerry. did it through them. Yeah. I think so. Go ahead.
3: <laughs> when he's talking about the Holy Spirit, will bring things to remembrance. That means we had to know it at one time. If we never knew it, it was never in our brain to remember. So. I think there's a a two-part thing there. First, we have to listen. We have to hear it, know it, have whatever word you want to use. It has to be implanted in our brain, and then we'll bring it to repentance. You can't bring those words to somebody that's never heard them. Yeah, so we weren't there. We didn't walk with Jesus. We
0: weren't the disciples. But. These guys were first hand eyewitnesses, right? And so he had brought to their remembrance the things that he had done, that he had spoken when he was with them. He commanded them in the Great Commission to go out and to speak all things that he has commanded you. And in doing so, we have revelation through the ministry of the Holy Spirit as he carried along the disciples. And then, like as you said, we can be reminded of those things that we have initially. Uh, come to understand for his word but this was for the, the
2: disciples narrowing memory what he had spoken to them other thoughts on that well it says elsewhere in scripture he says oh, i think it's' you know, talking about don't don't think about what you will say for the spirit will bring it to your mind when you're yeah in that you're hour. speaking to people in that hour you know when you are brought before the synagogue rulers and the the
1: yeah. And there's. We believe that the Father still sins the Spirit in Jesus' name. We believe the Holy Spirit still teaches us all things from Scripture. And if if we are ever in a situation where we're quoting Scripture and especially the gospel conversation, mm-hmm. we give credit to God that He that
0: He did that through us, right? And so I think in all those ways, it very much applies to us. Yeah, it's crazy how you can get in those situations, and you have a verse come to mind that you haven't even thought of in years, um, and it applies to that situation. God will still work through you. So, yes, the Holy Spirit worked in a very unique and special way with the disciples, with the apostles, especially as we're going through the book of Acts. We recognize that over and over again, but we also have to recognize that the same Holy Spirit is indwelling us. So it was indwelling the disciples and the apostles. And to the same degree, he indwells us fully, 100%. It's not like we have a partial, um, just a part of the Holy Spirit, whereas they have a full indwelling. But he works differently with us as he did with them. All right. How does Jesus administer peace to the believer? So he moves on after 26, and he says, My peace I give to you. My peace I leave with you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. Let's look at these different passages, and we'll see how he does that, how he works through the peace that he gives to us. Can we split up those different passages and get people to look them up? Who's got Romans 5? All right, Romans 8. who's going to grab that. Jerry? Jeremy, you want to grab 14? And I can get 15, 13. So again, as we're looking through these passages, focus on the peace of the Holy Spirit, how it's from the Holy Spirit, and how it is that Jesus administers that peace to the believer. So Romans 5, 1 through 5.
4: Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, though also we have obtained our introductions by faith to this grace in which we stand. And we exalt in hope of the glory of God. Not only this, but we also exalt in our tribulations. Knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance, and perseverance proven character, and proven character hope, and hope does not disappoint, because the Lord, the love of God, has been poured out within our hearts through
0: the Holy Spirit, who was given to us. What do we see in that passage? How is the hope that Jesus provides to us through the Holy Spirit applied to the believer's life?
4: The Holy Spirit brings that hope from Jesus because Jesus is the hope for what he did and what he is coming back to do. The hope is the generation of the thought in our minds and our hearts that he has ruled, hasn't ruled yet, but he has taken care of the first step, which was death, burial, and resurrection. And the second
0: step is that he will return to redeem yep. all of the believers, those whom God has given. So one of the things that the Holy Spirit does in the life of the believer is he regenerates us. He gives us new life. And like you said, newness of mind, newness of heart. He takes a hold and he makes a new creation. Um, think of Romans 12, how we are renewed in our mind. That's a, a work of the Holy Spirit that He takes and regenerates and renews our, our minds and hearts. the
1: Spirit is poured out, not portioned out. Amen. Amen.
0: Alright, Romans 8, 5 through 6.
1: For those who are according
5: to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who are according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. The mind set on the flesh is death, but the life set on the spirit is life. I'm sorry, the mind set on the spirit is life
0: and peace. All right, same kind of concept there. It's a a renewal of your mind, and he gives us life, and that life produces peace in us. It it should be producing us, and yet oftentimes we, um, I think that's one way we can quench a Holy Spirit is to, to doubt God and his promises. And we don't, we don't have peace in our life when we have every right and reason to have peace in our life. But
5: verse 1 says, the context there is, we are not under condemnation anymore, so
0: there is no reason to be fearful or worried. Yeah. yeah if God has spoken, will it will not come to pass. He has commanded, and will it not happen? If God says something, then we can guarantee it's going to happen continue to the band. And there's no condemnation for those who have been regenerated, who have been renewed in the Holy Spirit, who have been given life, and that should result in peace for us. Alright, chapter 14, verses 15 through 17.
1: For if because of food your brother is hurt, you are no longer walking according to love. Do not destroy with your food for him for whom Christ died. Therefore do not let what is for you a good thing be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking but righteousness and
0: peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Alright, so there's kind of a different aspect of the peace we have in the Holy Spirit there. What do we see in those verses? The the kingdom of God has been
1: inaugurated though not fully realized and and as we are living in that kingdom together as brothers and sisters in the Lord, we
0: are to pursue peace and joy and righteousness in the Holy Spirit together. All right, so we have peace with one another by the unity that is brought to us in the Holy Spirit. Um, again, one of the, the ministries of the Holy Spirit, we'll get into later, is the baptism, how he baptizes us <coughs> into one body. And as one body, we need to work and function together, have peace with each other, reflect the the fruit of the Holy Spirit as He works within us. All right. You
4: basically need to be mindful of the freedoms that you, have been revealed to you that you can enjoy. But sometimes those freedoms aren't reflected by others in the same light. So we have to be careful in trying to over our freedoms when they are not there yet. And if they never get there, you still need to be mindful of them and you love them. And by loving them, you don't do the things in front of them or something that would, you know, kind of push them away yeah. because
0: they are your brothers and sisters. Yeah, yeah Well, we're really getting to that in chapters 8 and 9 of First Corinthians when we get there. Um, and that's something that we're not able to do in our own strength and our own power, but because we've been mocked by the Holy Spirit. Addie.
2: I was just... I'm thinking about the first you know, passage that we read 505. Specifically, it's talking about having peace in the midst of tribulation, it's a maturing process. You know, It's assumed, you know, Jesus said in himself, that we would have persecution and tribulation because he did. And to a greater or lesser extent, I think we've all experienced that in this world. And obviously, it looks like there's going to be more in the future. My point is, is that we are to have peace through His Holy Spirit in the midst of that, yeah. right, and joy, you know? I don't anticipate having joy when I'm persecuted, and yet that's what we can have in Christ
0: and through the Spirit. Amen. That first verse in chapter 5 it said that having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through the Lord Christ. So that's speaking of the initial peace we have when we come to, to Christ. That He has given us that, that peace. That we have been position, positionally sanctified and He sees us as being His. But then it goes on and talks about our progressive sanctification, how He uses trials and tribulation to produce in us this perseverance and. How the perseverance goes on, it produces character and character, hope, and um, he grows and develops and shapes us more into his character. All right, and then chapter 15, verse 13. It says, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So here we see he's speaking again, kind of in the same vein of ongoing hope, ongoing perseverance. It's not just a, a one-time thing that takes place at salvation, but he's continuing to work in the life of the believer. We talked last week about how the Holy Spirit works in the life of an unbeliever in what three ways? He convinces the world of...
5: Sin righteousness and judgment. Sin
0: righteousness and judgment. And then, at Mm -hmm. salvation, there are certain things that he does in the life of a believer. Again, um, baptizing, regenerating. uh, Certain ministries and works are always present, but then there are ongoing ministries in the life of a believer. You think of um, what is it? Romans ten: that faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And we can often think of that and the sense of justification alone that yes, when we hear the word of God then that produces within us a understanding. God gives us the, the faith to come to him. And he draws us to himself. But also that has ongoing effects as well. That if we aren't daily in the word, if we're not submitting ourselves to the teaching of Christ, then we're going to be lacking in faith. So it's not just one and done. But there are ongoing effects in ministries of the Holy Spirit as well. Other thoughts or questions on that? All right. Let's look at this next passage, chapter 15. So if you're still in John, which I'm not, um, jump over to chapter 15. And somebody read verses 26 and 27 for us. Again, remember that this word, helper, uh, is that word we looked at last week, the parent or advocate, somebody who comes alongside of us and uh, carries us.
1: When the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, that is, the Spirit of Truth who proceeds from the Father, He will testify about me,
0: and you will testify also because you have been with me from the beginning. Alright, and there we see the primary role of the Holy Spirit, what the Holy Spirit is all about. What is His primary job, His primary role? Bear witness of Christ. Yeah, he's He's pointing people to Jesus, right? That's what the Holy Spirit is always doing. Pointing people to Jesus. How does that equate with how we see people using the Holy Spirit today and speaking of the Holy Spirit?
2: Because ultimately, when we say the Holy Spirit's number one job in our lives is to testify to Christ. That is to testify to the truthfulness of the gospel. Right? Yes. And you know there are Quote unquote pastors who come out and basically use the Holy Spirit as a I don't know, divine uh, genie. Yeah, a genie or, a, or oh, it's a, a divine excuse for whatever they want to do. Exactly. Yeah, health and wealth and, and you know piggy bank in the sky or the, the name and claim it, name and claim it. Yeah, it's. Uh, I was sharing with somebody here a, a website um, or a church that a family member is going to. And they have these statements, and then they have a, um, a piece of scripture, like Isaiah 61. Like that. But the statements were completely just Fla- flapping gums. It wasn't. It wasn't defended. There is no definition of what they believe or what they don't believe. There's nothing there. It's. It's just the amorphous thing, you know. Uh, we believe in you know in whatever the power of the Holy Spirit to you know, view people to go forth and. Do this and that and not bring glory to god not to not the gospel it was it's just very uh it's it's yeah yeah it's like trying it's like trying to pin jello to the plate or, or yeah. spaghetti you, you can't do it it just moves to the side as soon as you push put some pressure on it yeah and so
0: in the same way that we've grown use in our context to Question people when they, they speak of Jesus, well, who are you talking about? Hopefully, we'll become familiar with that. Who are you talking about when you speak of Jesus? We need to be the same when people appeal to the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit has told them. Uh, first of all, that the Holy Spirit has spoken, right? And so we're not looking for any future revelation. Um, but when people are speaking of the Holy Spirit and how He is leading or guiding them, if that doesn't conform with what his role is in John 15 that he is to point people to Jesus then that should be a red flag for us right away people are talking about what the Holy Spirit can give you or how you can again name it and claim it in the name of the Holy Spirit that God has promised you this so you just have to proclaim that in the name of the Holy Spirit or um, that he will cause you to, to fall down and, and shake and tremble and bark like a dog or move like a cow <laughs> all these different things that people do in the name of the Holy Spirit when it's not glorifying Christ because that is his main job, that's his role. So anything that is done in his name that isn't fulfilling that end, we can say with assurity from the Holy Spirit. It's a good test to to put people to when they're making claims on behalf of the Holy Spirit. Um... Again, how can you tell an action attributed to the Spirit is false if it doesn't
2: point to Jesus?
0: Do you have something? Or?
2: But here we are. Go ahead. If you're trying to say that the Holy Spirit is telling you to do something that is explicitly denying Scripture, it's not the Holy Spirit. Sure. Because He's the Spirit of truth. He's not going to change. Yeah.
1: And it's a... <laughs> It's a big theme in the continuationist charismatic type movement today by many people we respect who are our brothers to claim that there are people who have been given the gift of prophecy from the Holy Spirit who can share with people something that they believe the Holy Spirit has told them and they can be wrong and it's not sinful. Yeah.
0: And we got into that in our Acts class a couple weeks ago, talking about Agatha. And people use that same passage saying, well, look, the Holy Spirit spoke to Agatha and it didn't come about the same way. They have a a misunderstanding of that passage. But they use that as a means for justifying their speaking on behalf of the Holy Spirit in a way that isn't 100% truthful, which is just not okay. That's not how the Bible speaks of the Holy Spirit at all. Alright, First Thessalonians chapter one verses two through eight. You can see here um, how the Holy Spirit works in you among us. Somebody read that? First Thessalonians one, two through eight. Uh, we give thanks to God always for
4: for all of you, making mention of you in our prayers, constantly bearing in mind the work of faith and the labor of love. The steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the presence of our God and Father, Who brother beloved by God, whose choice of you, for the gospel does not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with all conviction. Just as you know what kind of men we proved to be among you before your sake, you also became imitators of us. And the Lord, Lord having received the word of your tribulation with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all believers in Macedonia and Achaia. For the word of the Lord has sounded forth from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith toward God has gone
0: forth, so that we have no need to say amen. No. All right. So there we see the, the actual outworking of the Holy Spirit that he is working in people to effect, effectually, um, to a, a positive effect, I guess. Um, they're going out and they're actually being effective because of the work of the Holy Spirit. And they are pointing people to Jesus just as he has his primary ministry to point people to Jesus. All right, let's move on here. John sixteen five through 11. I'll get there and I'll go ahead and read that. John 16, five through 11. But know that I, but now I am going to him who sent me. And none of you asks me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. But I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper, the Advocate, apparently will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And he, when he comes, will convict the world and sin concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. And concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you no longer see me. And concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged. So let's consider how that relates to, um, to coming to Christ, conversion to Christ. How does the Holy Spirit convicting the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment relate to the gospel? When did know our
2: need for righteousness uh-huh. and that we will be judged and that our sin those things.
0: Absolutely. So she said... We know our, our sin that we have, our need for righteousness, that we're unrighteous, and that we will face a, a future judgment. So, yeah, it all focuses around our sin and how it's going to be accounted for. And that's done, uh, believe it or not, through the church. I think we oftentimes can focus on the Holy Spirit doing his own thing over in the corner, but he uses the church as he dwells in with believers within the church to do that, to convict the world of sin righteousness and judgment.
1: It's not just the, the righteousness aspect isn't just that we are unrighteous, but that God is perfectly righteous. Yeah. And without that understanding, a person cannot come
0: to Christ. That has to be understood that God is holy. Not only is he holy, he has a holy standard for us.
2: We holy fall sin. incredibly short. There's no sin. There's no need of the savior. Yeah, and, and he is holy. It's like Jeremy said,
0: uh, Keith Lambert said, "For counseling to be successful, the Holy Spirit must take the words of our biblical counsel and press them into the hearts of people, convicting them in a way that only he can do." Counseling will never ultimately be effective without the work of the Holy Spirit. Uh, I think that's a common mistake that we make, that we think, especially when we're going out in evangelism, that it's our job somehow to convict people of sin and righteousness and judgment. That is His work that He will manifest through us, but it's not our responsibility to force that upon them. The Holy Spirit will do that through His word. Again, as He reminds us, and we are speaking His truth in love, gentleness, and respect. He will convict them. That is His work. And we shouldn't take that upon ourselves. You good, Eddie? Yeah, okay. okay. All right. Before we move on to John 16, any other thoughts or questions on uh, verses 5 through 11,
3: His work in
0: the unbeliever? Jim?
3: Verse 7 is one of the most confusing or I have no answer for it. Hmm. But if Jesus doesn't go away, the Helper can't come. I don't understand that. I certainly can't explain it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Neither can I. I don't know why <laughs> it is that
1: they can...
0: <laughs> well, it's will, mm-hmm. will not, not cannot. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, will it, not will. that's okay. within his, his plan, his purpose, was that uh, Jesus... God-Man would walk among us, uh, having taken on flesh. Which um, huh, I'm get myself in trouble.
1: <laughs> um, You're doing surgery, so be careful.
0: <laughs> yeah. Just remember when we were talking about the, the hypostatic kingdom, We don't want to separate the two natures of of the Son, but the Holy Spirit functions in a different way than the Son did as He was on Earth and he is fully with us, indwelling each believer 100% and works through them as they minister and seek
3: to accomplish his work.
4: Can it be
0: said that because Jesus was
4: man at that time he was lost some of his attributes, he can't be everywhere because he was physically a man. He could only be in their presence at that time with the Holy Spirit Everywhere, because Christ
0: brings the Holy Spirit to be dispersed throughout the world. Yeah. By our testimony. If we say that He lost His attributes as God, then He wouldn't be fully God. But well, but he, he lost it. He was confined because
4: He yeah. was a physical being. Yeah. In that sense, not that He couldn't be anywhere He wanted to be, but His purpose was one purpose that
0: God had sent Him for, is yeah. to develop twelve. That he had humbled himself by taking on the human nature, which um, changes how he's manifested. (laughs) Thank
1: you,
3: O my Father, for sending us your Son and leaving your Spirit till the work on earth is done. The only way I can understand this is, is Jesus talking that he has to go to the cross. Yeah, that's the whole nice, life, but he has to go to the cross
1: and Because, yep, well, yeah, yeah, the Holy Spirit being imparted to humans is a new covenant promise, yeah. and the new covenant is on okay. Jesus' blood. So, yeah. the new covenant had to be inaugurated by the death of Jesus to enact all
0: the promises associated with it. Yeah. All right. John 16, 12 through 15. Somebody read those verses for us. So we see some things in that passage we've already looked at. His ministry is to point people to Jesus, to resolve Jesus, to teach us and to declare to us what has already been taught. Uh, what is the Holy Spirit constantly doing in his ministry? He is pointing people to Jesus and teaching us that is his, his role as our helpers or advocates. Andy okay, here's the place where it talks about the Holy Spirit
1: speaking. Here you go. Oh, oh yes right. And it's interesting, in the realm of his speaking to them, he doesn't do so out of his own accord, but he fully submits to the other persons of the Trinity, whereas with distributing spiritual gifts or something like that, it is as he wills, he
2: alone, as he wills. Yeah. I, I guess my point was that the Holy Spirit doesn't speak to us. It was that there's no, like, quotes, you know, no. There's, this is, you know, like the father says to the son, "This is my son in whom I am all Listen to him, you know? Or Jesus, who red letters in the Bible, like right here. <laughs> um, there's, there's no quotes of the Holy Spirit saying, "He." Yeah, he speaks right. to the
0: right. disciples through inspiration. He speaks right. to us through revelation Right. Yeah, I'm not denying that he speaks to us. Yeah, know. just audibly. Yeah, gotcha. How does the Spirit guide us into all truth today?
3: The, God of the Word of God. The Word of God. All right,
0: through His revelation. First Corinthians two six through sixteen. Um, that speaks. I think it was Mark who spoke on that a little while ago about how the Spirit of man cannot understand a man as the Spirit. How God is in perfect harmony with Himself. Um, we'll go on to. Next slide. Genesis 1-2 and Job 33-4 reveal the Holy Spirit's role in creation. Genesis 1-2 says that the Spirit of God was hovering over the the surface of the deep. So he was there at creation as that was going on. And then Job 33-4 says, The Spirit of God has made me and the breath of the Almighty gives me life. So he is involved in that creation. We looked in our Christology, how Jesus is involved in the creation and is indeed holding all things together. So once again, the Holy Spirit is fully God in every respect. Several other important passages to consider. Um, Let's split these up and walk through them together. So Numbers 11, he's going to grab that for us. Got about five minutes. All right, Jerry's got that. Isaiah 40, 13. Let's go 13 through 18 on that one. We can do that? Jerry. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. 18. All right. Ephesians 4, 1 through 6. I got Ephesians. All right. And I can grab Revelation 2? 2, 7. All right, Jerry, do you have numbers for us?
5: Moses went out and told the people the words of the Lord. Also, he gathered seventy men and of the elders of the people and stationed them around the tent. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke to him. And he took the spirit who was upon him and placed him among upon the seventy elders. And when the spirit rested upon them, they prophesied. But they did not do it again.
0: Not do it again, right? So there we see how the Holy Spirit is placed upon not just one person but 70 different people, right? At the same time. Not in varying degrees, not that they had part of the Holy Spirit. But we do see that He did not do it again. Um, that is that they did not prophesy again because the Holy Spirit was not upon them. Uh, we talked last week about how in Psalm 51 David prayed, take not your Holy Spirit from me and Today, we have the dwelling place where who stays with us. Isaiah 40, 13.
4: Who has directed the Spirit of the Lord, or as His Counselor has informed Him? With Him, did He consult? And who gave Him understanding? And who taught Him the path of justice, and taught Him knowledge, and informed Him of the ways of understanding? Behold, the nations are like a drop from a bucket and are regarded as a speck of dust on the scales. Behold, he lifts up the islands like fine dust. Even Lebanon is not enough to earn, nor his beast not foiled by all. All the nations are as nothing before him. They are regarded by him as less than nothing and meaningless. To whom then will you liken God? Or what likeness will you compare with
0: him? All right, well, speaking of the Spirit of the Lord, the Spirit of Yahweh, and how He is absolutely set apart. Nobody counsels, say, nobody, nobody advises the Spirit. He is above all the nations. All the nations, there is nothing before Him. To whom you like Him, God. Amen. He, every attribute that we ascribe to the Father, to the Son, can be ascribed equally to the Holy Spirit. All right, Matthew 28. You got that, Walker? Yeah. Then
1: Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And
0: surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. All right. All right. So a couple of things in that passage. They are to be baptized in the name, the singular name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Um, and there to teach all things that he has commanded them. And again, that's done by the, the ministry of the Holy Spirit bringing to remembrance the things that Jesus has taught. Ephesians 4,
2: 1 through 6. Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in the manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience showing tolerance for one another and love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as also you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all
0: and in all. All right. Notice how many different aspects of the fruit of the Spirit we see in there. Um, remember the fruit of the Spirit, that's a singular fruit, but it's defined in, in different ways. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. We see there uh, the humility and gentleness with patience, putting up with one another or tolerating with one another in love, um, and then the whole central focus of the whole passage is unity over to be united in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And then last up here in Revelation 2 7, which says, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I over, will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. So again, you know, the Spirit is one who speaks to the churches. He does that too for us, even today, in the, the holy word of God. Not audibly with new revelation and all of them for that, but he has spoken, and we have that preserved. Through, again not the Holy spirit all right he John frame says he is to be sure the power of God acts 1 8 which might suggest an impersonal force but he is also God's wisdom as a 11 2 acts 6 10 corinthians 2 4 the wisdom cannot be impersonal the Spirit also has a mind, as we see in Romans 8, 27, and He speaks. He speaks in the first person, Acts 10, 19, 20, and 13, 2, and performs personal actions such as creating, judging, and so on. So hopefully we understand right now the Holy Spirit is a person. He is God. He's not just an impersonal force. This should cause us to realize um, that we need to refer to Him as He rather than it. how would you succinctly describe the, whole, the role of the Holy Spirit to someone who doesn't know much about the Bible in one sentence it helps us live Christ like Christ like anybody else want to take a stab at one verse or one sentence somewhere of the Holy Spirit Jesus said
2: the to guide us Okay. It, makes, it makes a difference whether it's a he or an it. Mm-hmm. Um, he is personal. You, can't, you cannot breed an it. You can't breed someone that knows you or that you know. Right? Yeah.
0: Um, so whatever definition you come up with, it's important to include the fact that he is he. Right. Include the fact that he is God. Speak to his ministry. Um, probably want to include the fact that he ministers in that one respect to that believer, to the believer, and in ongoing respect to the believer even after
2: salvation. So. I think your second the question there. It's, it's difficult it's difficult as a believer to be sharing the gospel with someone and not take it personally without personally. That's the gospel. That, that's hard for me personally. But I know intellectually and in my heart of connecting with sometimes difficult that it's not me that's it, that says this. It's God's spirit. That's yeah. that's it's not me. you that are rejecting or rejecting those are
0: the Christ and gospel. All right. Let's close out prayer. God, once again, we thank you for the anointing of the Holy Spirit who has taken and sealed and baptized and regenerated us. We pray that you would fill us with His uh, His presence this morning, that we would be controlled by Him, that we would walk in uh, in in light of what He has revealed to us, that we would be. Pleasing to you, as we seek to honor you with our hearts, with our mouths, and and worship you this morning. Pray that you would teach us from your word and uh, help us to be to live lives according to to the calling we received. That we be set apart for you and honor and love you. Amen. Amen. Amen.